Stand by. You're listening to the Naively Optimistic Podcast with your hosts, Eno and Gary. The ego is saying, what's happening here? It's an opportunity for spiritual growth. Do you still think the royal family were... Take animal, mate. I swear <laughs> to God. <coughs> Corona, man. You're absolutely riddled, man. No, You're riddled. <clears throat> Rocking around the Christmas tree. <laughs> 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 you and the boys in Labra Park doing door to door caroling. Oh, mate, stop. <laughs> oh, too funny, mate. Mikey Connors, I do caroling. <laughs> <laughs> mate, I'm surprised they actually they aren't adding that to their revenue streams. They already do um the tarmac, they already do the pavements, they already do the perfume. pebble dashing, the pebble dashing, the perfume the perfume. Yeah, mobile perfume store. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Digging horses in the mouth. Need a need a tooth out. Rocking around the Christmas tree. <laughs> Too funny. May, so how'd you get on? I believe you had a, a sofa actually the other day. Oh, I haven't well, even talking to you since then. No, I haven't seen you mate since. Yeah, 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 yeah. And mind you, I have to get back to you on that. Right, for those who don't know, Gary has uh, agreed by force <laughs> to, to ghostwrite my speech. I am the best man for said wedding. And uh, yeah, I'm just totally clueless. Yeah, to go you know, ghostwrite, I'm the best man. And I go, it's uh, interesting, mate, because I'm fascinated with the whole concept of like best man <clears> speeches. Because you know, I mean, they kind of have to be a, like a nice blend of like entertainment, you know what I mean, info as well. Like you want to be given a bit of a backstory on the ground, et cetera, et cetera. And I goes, I'm just kind of thinking like, and. How are you going to pull that off? Like, <laughs> this is true. Yeah. I say that at the same time. Yeah. So I was like, man, weird one, man. But I'll go for it. Funerals, 100%. Yeah, 100%, man. 100%. Yeah, you'll do the eulogy all day. Like, Absolutely. You know I mean? No better man will drone on for hours, man, yeah. than Eno. Yeah, but uh, I goes to Eno here, man. If you want, I'll go through that speech for you. No hassle at all, mate. Dive done it. Yeah. Yeah. Go on. There's no uh, stipulation that I have to uh, give you credit for the speech. 100% there is, mate. Yeah, definitely. Look, I want all the credit. Like, if I'm going to be out there in the audience, you're mingling with the peasants. Tell me dirty. Do you here. know what I mean? Mate, on fairness, with the peasants. <laughs> <laughs> Shout out, Andy. <laughs> <laughs> the gypsy wedding. Oh. Rocking around. <laughs> no, in all seriousness, though. Thanks. Um, in all seriousness, though, you know, I was only messing there. I was like, you're actually one of the only people that, if I, if I do write your speech for you, yeah. and you, you'll obviously have to say it at the start of the speech, be like, this speech is brought to you, you know, from the, the dimensions and creative mind of Gary O'Neill the audience down there you know cue all absolutely the boards. i'm not saying that no you will be saying that me and then anyway with that i think you're you're one of the only people i think that could actually be reading a speech that i wrote that could yeah. actually get away with a blunder and making it seem funny so that you'd like actually what? get to the part where you're like reading 
you know, giving the backstory, and he'd be like, and everyone's roaring laughing, obviously, because I wrote it. And then, <laughs> <laughs> and you're like, ah, pause for a laugh. Oh, <laughs> I think you could actually it. say that. And then people would actually laugh at that, especially if they have the prior knowledge that I, I crafted this speech. <laughs> I'm just so dry in everyone's eyes. I'm like, that, yeah. only that would work. Uh, Ian's bit was funny when he fucked up there, yeah. Yeah, when he did all the car jokes, they were brilliant, man. <laughs> <laughs> he did all the car jokes. <laughs> I'm looking forward to the wedding, I must say, mate. Um, yeah. But yeah, yeah. mate, the, the fitting, man, I need to hear all about it. Sound, sound for the invite, boy. Oh, yeah, yeah. Sound for the invite, man, to this thing. Of course, you have, to get, you have to get measured up, suited and booted. And now, mind you, it's still seven months away. And uh, a lot can happen in seven months, man. Well, a lot has happened in the last seven months. Wait, go ahead. This COVID. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the, yeah, because the corona, look. Fucking terrible. <laughs> I'm only buzzing. And um, we have all, I think we've all, I'm saying we've all, I have anyway. Uh, stacked on a few pounds, yeah, more than a few. Oh, 100%. But I plan on getting rid of them, guys. That's not my base level. Do you know what no, I mean? Look, definitely. I've seen you lean as fuck, man. Do you know what I mean? Have you, man? Really? You look fantastic, man. Do I, man? No. <laughs> so uh, yeah, I actually went in. Uh, I don't know if anyone else actually has done this. I went in like fully intending on negotiating my sizes. <laughs> <laughs> what right? does that entail, mate? Well, there's the size you are and there's the size you're going to yeah, be. Exactly, yeah, exactly. Yeah. I want to be going yeah. to be right. So I'm still seven months away. So I'm like, I'm getting measured up now, right? Um, and I've already had a bit of a heavy December, yeah. right? <laughs> okay, crim- does it been a nice crimbo run up? Whatever, like we enjoy ourselves. Well, I'm hundred percent. I'll, I'll get back into a thirty two waist like a look at look a glove, like hand in a glove, like, you know, one of his own glove. So I go in anyway, and uh, I says to your man, I goes, now listen, like you measure me up now, yeah? Yeah. But I'll be a different size. He goes, well, what will you be? And I go, he's <laughs> 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 looking at me. Right, so like, uh, no, I'll be like, by the time the wedding goes down, 100% 32 waist. In fact, I'll be a 30 and a half or 31. Yeah. Such that we slide so half in the there. I'm bank on it now. Yeah. And, um, and he goes, all right, no worries. So what do you know? And I was wearing jeans, stretch jeans anyway. Mm. So I'm like, oh, I'm telling everyone my size over the, over the, over the um, airwaves. So he goes, right, I'm wearing a 32 stretch jean. Do you know what I mean? Mm. So whatever, it's grand. Right? He goes, all right, no bother. I tell you what, try in those 34 suit trousers, yeah? <laughs> Go in behind the curtain. I right, hear <laughs> <laughs> I can't get the book. Was someone in there with you? Was that? <laughs> Ain't you dirty dog? Yeah, who was he? Off, man. <laughs> People out there don't know who I am. Who's your man who's riding blokes in the train? In the like, best menswear. Yeah. <laughs> right. So who's that? Then I goes there. I, go, I think they're the wrong size. <laughs> I was obviously taking the piss. It's like I think I think someone uh, misspelled the, the uh, there's a type on the size on that. He goes, "No worries, there. I get you 36, right?" Still gives me a 36. I'm like, <laughs> I get it closed. He's a second. I get it closed. Stamina. Right? I get it closed, and uh, next one I goes, "Right, grand fucking hell of a long way to go." What? Mm. So I get out anyways, yeah, and I hand it back to him. And the first thing he gives me a look, and I think the look he, he only needed didn't even need to say anything. He looks at me and goes, "There." Uh, Sure about that 32, yeah? <laughs> <laughs> Shut your mouth! <laughs> no, I didn't say that to him, right? But uh, it was just kind of funny. Like, he was actually already to have the crack with And he goes to me, he goes, no, but I see. He says, we'll do another fitting, right? Two weeks beforehand, anyway. So I was like, right, so what are we doing it now for? I don't know, but yeah. whatever. Um, he goes, no, he goes, did you ever hear this about the, the leg day thing? 
No. This is the first. No one's ever told me of this. I never experienced it before. Yeah, obviously. Maybe took one look at me in the boxers, <laughs> yeah. you know, standing in the middle of the <laughs> Diffney shop floor. <laughs> right. So uh, he goes to me. The uh, first time I heard this, he goes for uh, one week leading up to uh, the fitting, <clears throat> and then the two weeks leading up to the wedding. Don't do leg day, right? Mm. Like, look at me, I'll never need to do another leg day in my life, right? <laughs> <laughs> Stand in the middle of me boxers on. No, yes, I didn't say that. <laughs> I didn't say that, right? But, uh, yeah, sure. <laughs> pure proud. I was there, uh, show me fucking Zumba class and shook that calls me Quadzilla. <laughs> <laughs> Quadzilla, mate. It's a fucking quad father over there, mate. You want? Oh, Grabbing a middle-aged tailor by the wrist, getting his hand into <laughs> my leg. <laughs> Sir, Get you're hurting me. Get a feel of that. <laughs> Grab that. <laughs> Sir. <laughs> no, there I am in my boxers on oh, the floor. Mate, that's oh, absolutely beautiful. I oh, know it was good to have the crack with you. Like, right, go on, you're one of them. Mate, they generally now. are all sound because when I was going mm. to a prestigious award ceremony last year, I won't say what it was, but it's kind of a big deal, mate. You know what it is. Yeah. You know, it's uh, let's Academy just say Awards, man. it's a uh, oh, no, it's a uh, let's just say the Arachnid Awards, yeah, right. <laughs> Okay, <laughs> you know yeah. what that is yeah. and I was going for a tuxedo fitting <clears throat> and the lads who work in the little tuck shops are actually kings and they're always mad sound as well do you know what I mean oh, yeah. well, I don't, well obviously you had a bad experience like, do you know what I mean <laughs> but, uh, the one I was in self shaming experience here. the one I was in town uh, the one, sorry the one I was in town getting my one done they were actually all bang on oh, yeah, but yeah. Uh, yeah and they're typical like lads as well I think they think they're going to stroke though have you ever like rented a tux uh, they must get robbed a yeah, lot yeah I have actually yeah, yeah they must get robbed a lot because when I was so. renting a tux they were proper, like, taking every single detail to me. Do you know what I mean? What they happened? actually looked relieved when I brought it back. Do you know what I mean? But what happens when, um, say, if you're getting, like, tailored and down to, like, cut down to size, whatever, like, leg length, waist and all mm. that, or, and even, like, waistcoats on, like, they obviously can't add on material, so they can only ever go down on those sizes you hand back, no? Well, it, for me, it's a bit different. Like, I take a special size, like, it's Greek God, so that's kind of usually gotcha, only one. Adonis, yeah, yeah, Adonis. So yeah, usually only yeah. one kind of retailer will stock yeah, it. Yeah, it's besides Zeus, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah well, yeah. that's, I was Zeus, but like yourself, yeah. I pre I just kind of you know, prophesized that I would be moving up. Yeah, you know what I mean? Of course. Um, so yeah. now I'm just kind of all the Greek God sizes, that's kind of just oh, where yeah. I see. In, uh, Pure narcissism <laughs> on this podcast. <laughs> but, um. Narcissistically optimistic. <laughs> but go on in. But yeah, you know, where are we today? Ah, let's not forget the uh, the man, the myth, the legends that Gary has been dying to crack on about, <laughs> Mr. Harry Houdini. Correct. We are moving on to my hero, mate. You have long suspected that I have an affinity and obsession with Harry Houdini. <laughs> I have, man. Yeah, mate. Yeah. It's actually, I didn't even know. going on a while. I didn't even notice how often I bring up Harry Houdini. I must have brought, on, brought up Harry Houdini, I'd say, about five times across the whole podcast easily like do you know what i mean i don't know what it is one of easter eggs been dropped there yeah even in the patreon there last week oh yeah i, uh, I threw a little easter egg to to kind of hint oh, it is. that we may be moving into old uh, harold when i was growing up and all like i remember like i used to be mad into like magicians and all i used to watch like all those mad street magic shows and all that do you remember all that david yeah. blaine oh david blaine was a king man do you remember that company was in the glass box and all there above london um, he and still does mad things. Yeah, he's a he's a maniac. Yeah. Like, but he's mad at that. And then I remember, like when I was younger, like me dad was like, because like I grew up with it in the David Blaine era. Do you know what I mean? Like I was only about seven when the cunt was hanging around in the box and all, and turning like you know homeless cunt's coffee into bleeding cups of change and all. Do you remember that? I actually do remember that. That yeah. was like the the running feature for Sky. Yeah, they kept Sky doing one, it. Like, yeah. yeah, that was it. Like, but the chap was like a modern day Jesus Christ or something. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And then my dad came in. Like, do you know what I mean? Uh, when I was watching one of the David Blaine yokes, and he goes, "Do you think that's?" something do you not ever hear that Harry Houdini now you know like, 
And I goes, who the fuck is Hardy Houdini? And he goes, I'm only the one who started it all. And then he started looking it up and all, well, I start reading about it. Obviously and someone not the says internet. that, you know, that's yeah. pure intrigue. It is though, because Hardy Houdini is like, he's the OG man. Like when you think of magicians, like Hardy Houdini was the force mainstream. And illusionist. Yeah, illusionist, like the chap was a king. Like, so when you think, I said, you think about magicians, like Hardy Houdini is synonymous with that. But anyway, before we get into uh, his bio, I'm going to give you an example of some of the fucking crazy things this chap used to get up to. Now, bear in mind, this is in the fucking early 1900s. Like, so he had a few little tricks. Now, one of them, this is a mad one, right? It's called the belly of a whale escape, right? This is mad, right? In 1911, while Houdini was performing in Boston, 10 prominent businessmen challenged him to escape from the belly of a whale. They stipulated that Houdini had to be shackled in handcuffs <laughs> and leg horns supplied by local police. The Garda were even involved in this. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? What the fuck? And then sewn up. They're complicit yeah, with, with potential up. murder. That's it. Sewn up inside a whale's belly. Not one to refuse an exciting challenge. Of course, Houdini agreed. What a fucking champ, man. I think you can agree. Look. Anyway, look. <laughs> with Houdini, <laughs> right, inside the car. I was wondering, I was thinking, I was like, right. Few, loads of questions there. I was like where in God's name did they just get a whale like do you to know volunteer what I mean? for this yeah exactly like what like conscious whale and he would be like we'll do that no but I yeah <laughs> and uh, but, but they, look it was a beached whale anyway right tightly laced completely wrapped in chains the fella fucking entered into the into the whale's oh belly oh my god 15 minutes later the chap fucking emerges with the biggest smile ever on his face the audience there obviously the guard as well and they're like Jesus Christ how did you not even fucking suffocate from the bleeding the, the fumes like inside the whale's stomach like Jesus arsenic Christ. fumes or whatever the fuck they're yeah. called right the chemical used to bleeding in a whale like anyway I didn't fucking know that but there you go but anyway some other fucking things this mad joke used to get up to right he had an area called the East Indian Needle Trick right now basically what that was it was just like yeah you look you guessed it the cunt swallowed a fucking hundred needles man right Ooh. hundred needles and twenty yards of tread with nothing more than a drink of water think about that bottle of belly gown load of needles and tread what the fuck outrageous carry on um, and literally he'd be showing his mouth to the audience while doing it like to make sure they were doing it like, he was actually doing it like it was proper going down and uh, anyway by the end of it the chap would reach inside his bleeding gob and reef everything back out again. The needles, the treads, the whole bleeding jabang. Oh my um, god! And it would like often span the length of the stage. What the fuck? Like oh my now, this god. is one he's most famous for, right? And this is something I'll touch on as well in the episode later on. But this one was called the Milk Can Escape, right? Now this is bleeding mad, right? This was an original, right? A Houdini original act. The Milk Can is one of the magician's best known magic tricks, right? Handcuffed and sealed inside an oversized milk can filled with water. Failure to escape meant drown because they'd seal the thing with yeah, padlocks yeah, yeah. and all. It was mad. Like they'd literally seal that cunt like a bleeding straitjacket, pretty much with handcuffs, chains around them. Put them inside the milk can, put the bleeding top on it, and then bang. Right. Anyway, the whole thing about this was so <laughs> everyone was like, right, they'd fill it up and the cunt would get out inside two minutes and then reappear behind it. It was absolutely madness. Like, and um, like did some other stuff as well, which included like being buried alive and all. Like, you know what I mean? Actually, one, one time, hell. yeah, it's mad. One time it went arseways though. Like the first time he tried performing being buried alive, it nearly killed him, right? He was buried six feet under without a casket, right? And he was struggling to dig his way out and he was panicking to fuck, obviously. Proper overcome by exhaustion. You had to be basically dug out there. He was crying and everything and completely unconscious by the time they, his assistants dug him out. Like, and uh, you think that'd be enough to fucking turn the cunt off. But look, that's that's our hearty feel. Like the chap is an absolute don. Oh, so look, I think I've done enough work in terms of giving you a good profile about what kind of individual we're dealing with here. He's a, he's a bleeding header, like, you know what I mean? But look, he's the OG of uh, of the illusion game. And uh, 
one that I just, I don't know, I'm just fascinated by Chapel. Like, you know I mean? Hence why I've been probably subtly referencing them this whole time. Um, but yeah, without further ado, right, I'm actually surprised we haven't fucking done anything proper on Houdini now. Um, but sure, look, we've, we've arrived. But anyway, he was born, right, Eric Wise in Hungary in 1874, right? When he was four, he moved to the US with his sisters and his mom, where his dad had already bounced off the years before, right? Um, he was he settled in Wisconsin. His dad was a rabbi, right? Now, they were proper, like, powers at the time, like, do you know what I mean? And they really pushed young Eric, soon to be hardy, obviously, in the direction of success. Like, I mean, you, you often find that, I guess, with, like, poor families where they're, like, they just kind of invest all their bleeding emotional stock in, like, the fucking son or whatever to try to dig them out right. of bleeding, the bleeding trouble they're in, like. That's and, the yeah, exactly. So there's loads of pressure on him to to really go out and make something of himself. This I just find funny. Like, so uh, I, at the age of nine, he began working as a trapeze performer in circuses. Like, just imagine. Nine. Yeah, nine. Like, it's mad, isn't it? As well as that, like, like, look, I just said, like, there's a lot of pressure on the family. Yeah, of course, man. Yeah, sure. I mean, I was the sword swallower in the Rialto Circus for a, for a couple of years. <laughs> Oh, oh stop. But um but yeah, like imagine that like loads of stress in your family and they're just like uh right, listen, we're gonna put all the pressure on you now to go out and make something yourself and he comes back and goes, Yeah, no, I'm at the no I'm at the stringing together a job, Luke. And they're oh, like fantastic. Where yeah, was it? Oh trapeze performer in the circus. Like. What? Can't tell you just a trapeze performer in the circus. Like. Trapeze, trapeze. What's, What's that, that like like acrobats and all that? He's like, I'm not into all that. Yeah, son, look. Yeah, in all serious though, is that trapeze thing? Is that the where they. Isn't that where they like swing? Yeah, and like they catch like each other midair yeah. and all. Well, then I wouldn't be bloody for me, but shall look. <laughs> oh, it's not your bedroom antics. <laughs> so in 1882, the family moved to New York, right, where he began performing at vaudeville shows, right? So vaudeville, I didn't notice, but I looked it up, right? I basically look variety shows. Do you know what I mean? So, like, essentially what they do, they're, like, a combination of, like, a host, announcer, or comedy sketches, musical performances, dance monologues, just kind of satirical banter and all that shit. Back in Rialto, here we are again. Do you know what? This is probably the best time ever to bring up a lad in 1996. You know where I'm going with this, No, bro. I don't. I don't. Oh, where I'm going with this. Lads. People that know me closely know about a lad in 1996, right? That's I, I'm gonna true people. I'm, I'm probably <laughs> probably gonna cue some dramatic music probably to, to kind right. of go with me along the story. But I used to be in pantos and all, as you could probably tell, right? I used to be in pantos <laughs> and all variety shows, the whole shebang, right? Where where I'm from, like they used to have this thing on, like which was like a variety group they put on plays, blah blah blah. Um, but anyway, I got my, my ma lashed me into the plays when I was like fucking four or something. It was actually mental. It was like fucking a soul at the servitude into the bleeding, into the arts. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> I literally remember being four years of age on Halloween night. You couldn't write this. I'll literally get me mad to tell you this. She'll tell her better, better. So you know the way we've spoke about it at length in the Halloween episode about when you were younger in the 90s, um, your ma putting you in like a black bag costume and yeah. then it was you were just the most versatile Halloween costume ever. Like you could be anything. Like, you know what I mean? Greyhound yeah. rush. So that's what I was like. My ma marched me around Halloween night, no word of a lie, in a black bag costume with a skeleton mask yeah, to join the, the variety group. Anyway, so things were off to a, to a grand... See, like, I don't know, I think I had a bit of fucking AD there or something when I was younger. I think I probably still do, but I mean, like, I actually, like, couldn't focus on actually learning that. I never used to learn the dance moves because when you're a kid in the variety groups, they don't they don't let you do any acting or anything like that. I was just part of the dance crew, do you know what I mean? 
And I never knew any of the dances, to be honest, off by heart. I used to just copy everyone live when we were doing oh it. So there was always a bit of lag. Looking left and right. Yeah. So I'd be looking left and right. And the, so if you were looking at it, if you were a spectator, you'd be like, geez, your man's lagging behind like fuck there, isn't he? Oh because let's God. say the move was like arms in the sky there, right? Everyone would be doing that in real time and I'd be about a second or two behind because I'm trying to like, in real time, I'm trying to analyse the moves and then probably project where they're going. Do you know what I mean? And then follow <laughs> suit, right? And I got away with it for a while. I got away with it for a, like Mother Goose, uh, Beauty and the Beast. Oh, and I got away with Robinson Crusoe. So I got away for that one as well, right? And, no, uh, I cannot believe I'm hearing all this for the I know, time. but see, I was, caught, I, was caught, I was caught asleep at the wheel, you know. Oh, yeah. And this today has left me with perpetual stage fright, if I'm being honest with you, right? I think, anyway, I think this is this is where it stems from, right? So, um, at the end of 1996 Aladdin production, right, in the Voice Group, which I was one of the stars of, um, background character, dancer, uh, right? <laughs> at the end, all the kids are supposed to basically walk towards the front of the stage, right? And put your thumb out like that towards the crowd, right? It's like the end sequence, like you put your thumb out like that okay. and then you're supposed to look at the fire bell in the back I remember that the choreographer chap was like look look at the bell for five seconds and that will tell you when to reverse then so you kind of reverse with your thumb still out in the air and then the, the fucking curtains come down over you and that's the end of the show oh but again God, I don't no. want to bleed moves and I'm standing there like a tick with my thumb up yeah there's this fire drill I, I couldn't poxy count either by the bleeding sounds of it yeah and yeah, before I knew it don't they look left and right all my fucking colleagues, me little dance troupe, have departed. They've left me. I'm the only one on the stage with me poxy no. thumb up at the crowd. Even worse, the curtain has dropped. Oh I'm on the my. other side of the corner. Oh my right? lord. No. Everyone is laughing and screaming and going, Oh, look at that little ginger king over there. Like, that's so cute. I can't believe he's getting left on the other side of the corner. Because well, I'm so only. Yeah, he's so built and all, but not really, right? I'm only <laughs> six, mate. I'm only six. And I don't know if you're familiar with, with theatre curtains, yeah? They're, they're way heavier. They're, they're yeah. chained on the bottom, isn't Yeah, they? exactly. But yeah. they're way, they're like about 50 times longer than the, where they meet the ground because it's just part of the oh, whole thing. Oh, there's so much slack. Do you get yeah, me? Yeah, yeah. So I run over to the corner and try to basically, like, <laughs> Burrow under it to get back under. But there's so much poxy corn and me little small hands can barely even grasp the thing. I'm trying to like like just literally pick it all up and to go under it like oh, if you were going under yeah. the sheets in our bed or something. But there's so much poxy corn I couldn't actually do it successfully. I was like getting lost inside just literally droves of corn, yeah. Do we need to get professional help? Like Pretty that? much. For anyway, this, so okay? I couldn't get under it. I couldn't get under it. I'm like bollocks, right? And I'm like, okay, does I believe there's another way to access the backstage area. Yeah, through the sides. I was like, I'll go through the side corn. And again, the panic, everyone laughing at me, screaming and all, blah, blah, blah. Oh I God. couldn't even get in through the side again. Just the absolute ridiculous amount of corn was just restricting me, me fucking, me entrance, yeah. All of a sudden, this rogue hand comes out and literally picks me up <laughs> from the side and literally pulls me in to the, like, into the back area. Oh my God, it was the most stress ever. My man still thinks it's hilarious to this day. I'm like, John, there's nothing funny about it. <laughs> like, that was actually horrific. Like, that was the worst thing ever happened to me, to be honest. I, like, oh I'm still God. talking about hair bleeding nearly 20 years on. Like, so you can only understand. Oh, you can see. We, ha we have both have this thing about Edward Scissorhands. Yeah. I know, I spoke to be very, oh, you episode. did? You did, okay. It's okay. outrageous, man. Or one of the last episodes. Eddie, yeah. Eddie says he scares the bleeding, the fucking yeah. shite out of me. He's off his bleeding marbles. Like, but I could talk about that at length as well. Yeah. But look, that's that's where me and Houdini probably align in the cosmos where we're both, we're both performers, <laughs> do you know what I mean? And we've both, we've both, we've both kind of gone through the rigmarole of the, of the local circuits, the variety shows. Now, we've oh. done it. Been there, got the t-shirt, like, do you know what I mean? Oh, my God. So that's, where, that's probably where this whole Houdini fascination comes from. Like, me and Houdini were two peas of the yeah. same pod, like. But anyway... <laughs> 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 Thanks for listening to the ramblings of a madman there, lads. Yeah. <laughs> Chapter one. Yeah. <laughs>
But anyway, right, in these variety shows, Houdini was considered to be the bleeding creme de la creme. Like, he was just, like, he was head and shoulders above everyone. Like, you know I mean? No one could hold a bleeding candle to the chap. Like, again, the chap is fucking escaping out of elephant stomachs. Not now. Oh, he, he wasn't doing it at this stage. Only a young fella. Like. But um, in 1881, right, 17-year-old Eric, a.k.a. Harry, um, and his friend Jacob created an act that involved just a basic set of card and magic tricks, nothing major, right? But they call themselves the Brothers Houdini, right? Mm-hmm. And then in 1882, though, right, his elf died sadly, right? And then they decided, fuck this, we're going all in with this, we're hitting the road. So they basically took their little, their little jig, their act on the road, like, and they were performing a couple of shows at just local little clubs, museums, that sort of thing, you know? And the same year he met his wife, right, El Beatrice. Good about that girl, Beatrice. But we'll just call her Best though, because that's that was her nickname, right? And then she she became a stage assistant. Now I often wonder when reading this, like, whatever happened to Jacob? The me? Seems like he's had to get fucked out because it says here that the two of them then toured as the Houdinis. So then yeah. Harry and his missus because she he got married to her and she became his assistant. This is Jacob, the, the mate, is at the getting fucking slung. Got the chop. Yeah, he must have given him the Spanish shirt chop. The elbow. <laughs> <laughs> oh Did you ever hear that one? It's an oldie oh but a goldie. <laughs> <laughs> no, but honestly, if I didn't love Harry so much, I think he, he was a bit of a slight one because that's a bit bad out because as, as we mentioned, Jacob was his fucking best mate for years and they I were doing that. one side of the story. Girl. Yeah, no, that's true, but... Anyway, uh, life is hard on the road though, right? Like, think about that. They're, they're literally doing show after show off the show every fucking night like they're absolutely bollocks like you know what I mean and like in, in 1898 at 25 they considered just jacking it all in it was just getting too much like and Hardy and the missus they were burned out like but then while performing um in a beer garden right in St. Paul's Minnesota he caught the attention of a bloke called Martin Beck right mm-hmm. Martin was an influential booking agent within the kind of vaudeville scene right and uh, he was rocked after watching Houdini escape from a pair of this is so outrageous uh, after seeing him escape from a pair of handcuffs right and then he decided to give Houdini a pair of his own handcuffs to try escape from which he did with ears oh, I just think that's mad like Martin mate why are you rolling around the place with handcuffs, handcuffs like yeah. like imagine meeting someone like for the first time and they're like yeah, casually have handcuffs on me well, that's not too different than <laughs> how we met me, isn't it? me and you the dragon 2009 do you remember you whipped them them, them 40 bad boys and uh, that was that never forget yeah <laughs> but um he was impressed with what Houdini was able to do. The couldn't escape out of handcuffs, like, no problem to him. Like, and he was so impressed, anyway, with Houdini, right, and his missus that he put the two of them on the influential Orpheum circuit, right, which was okay. basically, like, a little prestigious kind of, like, circuit for, Fa- like, Fawcett's yeah. Circus. All that. Like, yeah, exactly. And, um, but it meant they would perform, right, fewer shows, right, but yeah. way more paper. Oh, yeah. it's, it's about... That's it. It's all about that and the cash is king at the end of the day, isn't it? That's it. Give me that cheddar. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for the cheese. Yeah, talk to you later. Slung a fall. And, uh, <laughs> but anyway, Houdini's profile rose to fuck as like just being this outrageously fucking like Twitter, elaborate like escape artist and everything, right? Gain notoriety in particular though for breaking locks and just pure brute strength. By the way, if you look at Houdini, type in Houdini topless I mean just sorry Houdini <laughs> <laughs> the chap was an absolute monster mate was he, yeah those pictures of the cunt literally like like that like Bane right trapeze or trapeze trapeze or trapeze yeah, they well, have the cunt, to be yeah but the cunt is breaking out don't worry about that man he was nine at the time you still hung up on that yeah what do you mean nine at the time he's, <laughs> he's about 20 odd now he has to story. have superb core I know yeah but he's about 20 odd at this stage I mean and he's in serious Nick man those pictures if you do if you look up 
Houdini taught me in Houdini. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> There's pictures of him like, literally like that with chains around him and he's built as fuck. Wow. Oh, ridiculous carry on. Like he's not, I, I, I would speculate he was in the Dukes if it wasn't the early 1900s. That's all I had to say <laughs> in the matter, right? And then, um, but he was known as well and he attracted thousands for it. Like the drama and showmanship was performance. Like proper, like proper artists. Like, do you know what I mean? Like took, wow. took pride in his craft. Like, like myself, a lad in 1996. No, better um, man. Yeah, no better man indeed. Better like, but uh, like I said earlier, I gave us a bit of a run through about some of the kind of acts like that he was doing. Like that whole whale thing just cracks me up. Like, but again, like just to reiterate, like the chap would lock himself up in boxes and get people to fuck him into water and all like mad stuff. And obviously chatted about the milk can or milk can trick as well earlier. Like that was mad in and of itself. Like being handcuffed, squeezed into a bleeding milk can, yeah. which as I said was sealed with six bleeding padlocks. Touch ID, the whole shebang. Like. <laughs> <laughs> Mad stuff, like, and he generally break out these things in, like, two minutes That's and, like, emerge from behind the thing. Oh, I don't know. It was fucking mad stuff. Like, in his lifetime, though, right, no one knew how he was able to do it. Isn't that mad? Like, Ma- crazy. Tricks, to this right? day, by the way, pretty much all of his tricks are relatively, like, unknown why, how he was able to do them. Like, um, But, like, one thing Houdini did, which was which was gas, in my opinion, was, he, like, not only did he create his own illusions, but he actually loved performing other people's tricks as well but like improving them and making them better yeah like there was a Br- British magician right called Charles Moritia yeah? known for this is hilarious right he had this trick where he would basically make a live donkey disappear live on stage right so Houdini heard about it and he was like in Trezant like I'm gonna crack at that so he gets on to your man uh, Mori and he pays him for the rights to the trick so he could perform it right but classic Harold mate Harold goes above and beyond the chap guess what the chap does what? same trick different animal Bigger animal makes an elephant disappear. Holy lord! Now again, questions like where does one even procure an elephant? <laughs> you know, like I mean, I just have this idea of like Harry going down to Dublin Zoo. I mean, like how are you lads? Listen, boys, I'm just looking to rent an animal for the show I have coming up <laughs> later on in the gaiety. Something big though, yeah, like substantially bigger than a donkey. <laughs> Sorry, Harry, we, we don't really do that sort of thing. Like they're exotic animals at the end of the day you know like there's all sorts of health and safety regulations that go along something like that so no can't do mate sorry about that Ari. <laughs> alright look well, boys no worries had to ask look if you don't ask this world you don't get you know what I mean nothing ventured nothing gained and all that <laughs> <laughs> Harry disappears in a fucking cloud of smoke or something like that the lads of the Dublin Zoo the staff perplexed Jesus yeah yeah man was a bit oh I don't know a few layers shorter of a lasagna or something wasn't he <laughs> <laughs> anyway, Kenneth, you're walking Stevens Day, are right? Yeah, Janine, what the fuck? Anyone see where the Sri Lankan elephants after going? He's <laughs> 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 off running down the pheno with the thing on the leash. Outrageous, carry on. But seriously, though, where does one just randomly get an elephant for one of these things? Like, imagine bringing that into the gaiety. Like, we are doing our show. Like, so, imagine your hearty. How would you maintain it? We've been acting four days. Where are we going to stash this fellow? I don't know. Like, how'd you feed the water? Scandalous like? carry on. Oh like. my lord! But uh, <laughs> this is a this is a good one, right? I actually enjoyed this quote. This quote is from a fella called John Cox, who is the author of the Wild About Harry site. Now, I don't know about you, when I think of anyone whose name is John Cox and is the author of a site called Wild About Harry, I certainly don't. <laughs> I certainly don't think it's a Harry Houdini fan site. But anyway. Here we go. So he said, look, we still don't know how, how he did the elephant trick. He would Houdiniize these more common feats of magic. His mind was always on innovating, always inventing. 
king. Fun fact though, right, as I said there a second ago, more than 100 years later, we still don't know how Houdini did most of his tricks because he safeguarded them to fuck and never like patented them right mainly because like if you patent <coughs> something that involves you have yeah. to actually reveal step by step how how something no is achieved way. do you know what i mean yeah. so that's why he never painted anything do you know what i mean um like well, it's, it's copywriting different. yeah yeah he did yeah he copyrighted which is gas like so how he got around it right was he like for example with the chinese he had a thing called the chinese water torture cell trick right and he, he held a one person show in london so he could copyright it so I believe, like, if one person is a witness, no. to it, it's kind of like a marriage, I guess. Do you know what I mean? Like, if one person is a witness, then you can copyright. You have ownership on it. Do you know what I mean? Especially if it's something like an intellectual asset, I suppose. Do you know what I mean? Like a trick or whatever it may be. Like, oh. um. But yeah, so absolutely, he's an he's he's an innovator. Like, there's no there's no ifs or buts about. Like, you build it. <laughs> but even though he was gaining mad popularity and everyone thought the cunt was like a fucking sorcerer, this is what I like about Harry. He's, he's noble at the end of the day, right? He claimed that his abilities were never supernatural. Like some of the cunts you'd see nowadays down the George Street Arcade with the tarot cards yeah. going on like the bleeding mouths or something like that. You know what I mean? And uh, so he, was, he wasn't into that chat. Like, you know what I mean? He was non like. And uh, <laughs> in fact, he actually condemned spiritualists. Do you know about this? He was just like, no, they're all spoofers. And apparently that was there was like a lot of spiritualists gaining momentum as well after World War One, right? Um, and in the ninety, yeah, that's sorry, say anyway. And um, but in the ni- in eighteen nineties, right, him and his wife decided to put it to the test, and then they started dabbling in like spiritualism, like attempting to summon the dead, like in public and all. After researching names and like local graveyards and all, they were like, "No, betcha, and we can trick some of these cunts." Do you know what I mean? And uh, it didn't take them long to see that it was absolute bollocks. Like, do you know what I mean? Wow. Yeah, it's mad. There's a famous uh, magician as well back in the day, bloke by the name of Teller, right? That's just like Bono, I guess, like, you know, I'm in the edge, it's just like a stage name. Yeah. And uh, he was like, when you're a professional magician, you want to see your art respected for what it is, not misused to mislead people about the universe. That's what he said, right? So Houdini would ultimately, I think, I think Houdini had a bit of a, bit of a gripe, do you know what I mean? Which we'll get into now properly, but like people going around like mediums and fortune tellers and all because he was just like, no, because they're not, they're not the real deal I am. Do you know what I mean? And they're yeah. out tricking cunts like, Making a mockery, like, of everything the cunt had worked for, like, do you know what I mean? So he's bullying, like, now, this is something he used to do, like, shall we say, to get revenge. He'd, be, he'd actually go to seances undercover and expose mediums as, like, just skilled performers and all. Like, he'd be calling them out and all, and that mad. Wow. And uh, he would, like, he'd actually start, like, seeing what they were doing and start recreating their own tricks and all in that gas at his own shows just to properly assert that there was nothing supernatural going on here and it was all completely achievable, like... um. Like the chap spent years, I mean years, attempting to expose mind readers, mediums, con artists, etc. Um, had like a proper vendetta against him. Now, this is where we take a bit of a turn, right? All right. In nineteen thirteen, though, he was in Sweden performing um a private show for the royal family lizards. Um, <laughs> the lizards, as you know. Oh yeah, the royals. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, his mother passed away sadly. Right now, apparently, uh, Hardy was a bit of a, a mammy's boy. Right, so. This was this is a tough pill to swallow. When he when he heard the news, apparently he re, he fainted and wept uncontrollably. Right, however, though he had previously condemned spiritualists, after his mad died, the chap 
triple down on that. And he, he was got just into like, Saint Anthony. He, he started getting into Saint Anthony and the lads. The rosary bits. Yeah, the rosaries. Do you know what I mean? Away. Exactly. And he was like, do you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna set out now to try find a real medium to try contact as my right. Yeah. So 180 here, like, do you know what I mean? Jeez. And in 1992, then right, uh, Houdini was actually friends right with a chap, which I I thought was just an interesting kind of pair with Arthur Conan Doyle who was the Arthur author Conan. of fucking Sherlock Holmes isn't that mad oh no way yeah they were pals like celebrity pals if you will and his wife was a board called oh, Lady what? Doyle what the lads like do you know what I mean and, <laughs> <laughs> and his missus was a board called Lady Doyle and she was Lady a medium Doyle. right so Arthur was like listen if you're interested in getting a hold of your ma I think my missus could probably potentially help with that oh Lady Doyle right and uh, so he was like yeah fuck it I'll give it a go, and uh, they held they held a little like a little private seance, shall we say, for uh, for Harry to try contact his ma. They held it in the Ambassador Hotel in Atlantic City. Now, during it, Lady Doyle banged on the table three times to indicate that they'd established contact. Harry Houdini's mother is in the building, right? Dum dum, as you would say, right? Yeah. But anyway, this is what went down. It's not good now for Lady Doyle. Spill for us all. I'll say it here, right? So anyway, she starts rattling off notes upon notes upon notes of like dialogue that she's getting directly from, you know, beyond from Hardy's ma. Apparently she wrote up to 15 pages worth of notes um, that were direct messages, shall we say, from Houdini's ma. Now, Houdini wasn't impressed. Do you want to know why? Will I tell you? Go on. The notes were in English, man. Hardy's Elmond didn't talk English. So oh. he was pulling. He was just like, oh my God, you I hated snake, mediums bitch. before. I know, and this is his mate's. Mot like yeah, be like if Esther did that to me, <laughs> yeah, 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 literally, wouldn't it? Yeah, this yeah, Esther yeah. is Ian's board, obviously. For incidentally, she's Hungarian as well. Yeah, it's all tying in together. Oh it's my all god, it's all connected, bro. Damn but uh, mad stuff. So yeah, what I like about this though was like he would have found out straight away that the notes were in English, and I love how he let her rattle off fifteen pages of writing, probably had carpal tunnel and all, just to spoil her. He was like the fucking bitch, like you know what I mean? The but he, apparently he was. Bullen, he was snapping during it. Man. He was just like, Oh my oh god. god. But anyway, when he eventually got out there, right, oh, he was just like, Oh my god. He was like, If I didn't hate mediums and all that yeah, lack before, yeah. that's what he was like. He was yeah. like, Fuck this, I am going out of my way now, even more so to expose these cunts. Fun fact, actually, right, years beforehand, right, he actually wrote a book called Miracle Mongers and Their Methods, right? This always reminds you of, like, Fantastic Beasts and where to find them. Do you know J.K. Rowling's little side fucking venture there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, it was a complete tell-all book, right, about fire eaters, heat resistors, poison eaters. Do you know, like, cunts who, like, you know, get bit by snakes and all, like, at shows and all, and they survive and all. Yeah. Just, and strong men, that kind of stuff, and, like... It was a complete and sword swallower as well. Good, good thing I wasn't around back then. <laughs> <laughs> and it was like a pure like expose tell all book that revealed, you know, the tricks of the trade and just exposed these people to be absolute like charlatans. Like, do you know what I mean? And uh, but I anyway, love your vocabulary. Sorry, go on. Thanks, mate. Appreciate it. <laughs> and uh, like, actually, and you know, I have a note in here as well about human ostriches. That's another what? Yeah, and I was like, what the fuck is a human ostrich? Because these were these were another group of people that he went out of his way to to expose as well, right? And basically, what human ostriches are, they're people who eat anything. Generally, come to eat glass and all. Like, do you know what I mean? Oh my god, circuses and all, like mad shit like that. And uh, I didn't even. Why are ostriches known for eating anything? By the way, like no. I've, well, that's what they're no, called no. anyway. Maybe it's just a neck thing or whatever. Like, but anyway, um, so the chap returned me with a sequel to the book, right? 
But this time he wasn't after the little sideshow street performance. He was going straight for the top lads. He was going for the mediums, yeah. Oh and he wrote a follow-up book called A Magician Among the Spirits, yeah. A scathing expose on spiritualists and their trickery, right? Wow. And if that wasn't enough, right, the chap followed up a 40-page illustrated pamphlet dedicated to taking down one of the most popular mediums in that particular day and age, right? Young one called Mima Cramden, right? Cramden, sorry. Also known as Marjorie. Who about that, Marjorie? And, uh, like, the chap was... I don't know what his plight was or her. He was just after her in particular. Maybe she was just heavy on the, on talking to the dead, like, because I have a feeling that's probably, like, yeah. a sore spot for him. Yeah. I don't think he probably would... Well, he's obviously bullying anyway, but I'd say, you know, people channeling dead people is, like... Because that's mad. That's obviously what got him going, like, you know what I mean? But anyway, like, this is hilarious to the extremes that he went to really go after these, right? He used to go around giving lectures around the country about, like, fraudulent spiritual spiritualist phenomena. It's not gas. Like, like that's proper going over. It's bad enough to be a public figure writing books and publicly going after these people, to be, like, actually going around giving lectures on why yeah. they're the world's biggest spoofers ever. It's like, Jesus Christ, Houdini oh, wasn't messing around there. Like, yeah. he's proper going for them, like... And, um... He went as far, mate, to actually testify on front of Congress in 1926, lobbying for a bill to regulate that mediums and fortune tellers and et cetera potentially be like threatened or charged for pretending to tell fortunes for like reward or compensation. Oh, my like, God. Yeah, it's mad, isn't it? But um, his campaign was short-lived, though, sadly, yeah. mate, because on October 11th, mate, 1926, Harry broke his left ankle during a performance. And this is going to be a bit of a domino effect where this all oh. goes, but bear oh, with wow. me, right? But being the, the consummate professional he was, man, right? He was actually, he he broke it during, like, the show, like, as, as I was talking about there, right? And the chap continued with the performance. Imagine that going to escape of a blade milk can with a dodgy ankle and all, like, <sighs> making elephants and all disappear on, disappear on the stage while, you know what I mean? Like, your, your legs acting up, hobbling like, around, hobbling yeah. around, man. Like, Harry, infinite love me. But um, yeah, as I said, like that was the continue with the performance, and then like, he 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 was told by his doctors, "Look, mate, you need to knock the old tour on the head." Do you know what I mean? Like this is not good for you. Like the ankle's dodgy. You're gonna have to chill out now for a couple of weeks. And he was like, "No, fuck that. I have a couple of shows up in Montreal that I have to make it there, right?" So against doctors' orders, the chap jumps on a fucking train and bops up to Canada, right? Now when he gets to Canada um early, and then during his kind of couple of days leading up to the shows, obviously the chap, you know, can't even just relax. You know, working a few card tricks, he gets back to doing what he loves the most. Which is lecturing. The chap starts bopping around Montreal doing lectures about fucking his hate for the spiritualist movement no. again. And they're like, fucking hell, man, who, who did he throw into this shit? <laughs> and, uh, but anyway, before one of his performances in uh, in Montreal a few days later, though, right, a couple of the med students from the talk that he did in their college showed up and went backstage to his dressing room, right? Now, one of Houdini's uh, tricks that he used to do as well was he'd let audience members come up onto the stage and basically punch the living daylights out of his stomach, like, you know what I mean? As hard as humanly possible, right? And so he's, like, he'd be well used to big lofty cunts coming up and just absolutely ripping them asunder, like, you know what I mean, on the stage. So he's in the back with the med students. And one of them, right, one of them goes, uh, here, like, any chance I can, I can punch you in the stomach? But before... The cunt, like, as in Hardy could even open his mouth to respond. The chap starts unloading into his stomach what? and starts ripping the fucking stomach out. What? Outrageous. Can you imagine that, like? Imagine that man coming up to you and being like, oh, sorry, like, Hardy, huge, huge fan, like, and I was wondering if there's any chance I could just throw a dig to your stomach, like, that's all right. Yeah, no, and then, hand. bang! Imagine, poor Hardy, I wasn't, I wasn't even tense. He's like... <laughs> 
Are you fucking serious? My fucking stomach. Hey, what the fuck? Like, that's outrageous, Carly. What happened? What that's happened assault. after, though? Right. Oh, I, I wish it was good news, mate, but it's not at all, right? That <laughs> evening, Harry was in a fucking jock complaining about <laughs> oh stomach cramps. What a psycho. I know, aka the show he's right. No, he's actually in bits, though, right? And, and he had to get a 15 hour train ride to the next show, which was in Detroit, right? Oh, and the chap was in a jock the entire way to the Detroit. Bear in mind, he has, he has his ankle still broken as well. Yeah. It's like a bleeding wound. The soldier, he's on the fucking dart, bopping out the Detroit, right? His ankle's in bits, his stomach's in a jock. And so by the time, by the time he arrives to Detroit, he has a 104 degree fever. And he's, he's in bits, like, and the doctor's oh called into where the show was. And the, and the doctor's like, mate, you have acute appendicitis, yeah? Yeah. And the doc said, listen, mate, that's going to have to come out with that out. Oh, Do you know what I mean? God. With that. And with he, that. Yeah, Houdini refused. And he goes, look, no. He goes, I'm going to do this show. I'll do it, even if it's my last show. Like, and uh, the cunt made it through the show, the king. Me. With appendicitis? Yeah. And a broken ankle, ankle. And smashed up kidneys? Yeah. Outrageous oh carry on, God. isn't it? And um, after the show, though, his wife comes in and she's like, Harry, mate, you're going to have to go to the hospital. Like, and so he agrees anyway. And on, on October 24th, he had to have an emergency operation to remove the already burst appendix, right? And then, Alre- sorry. Already burst? Mm-hmm, yeah. Oh, my fucking God. Yeah. And then a couple of days later, he had to have another surgery, right? Second operation, that was on the 28th. But on the 31st, 1926, Harry succumbed to a severe case of sepsis and died. Carry on out oh at me. Can you believe God. that? Like, what age was he at that time? Do you know? He was only fifty-two, mate. If you wow. can believe it. Scandalous. Carry on, isn't it? Jesus so young enough, like. Christ, man. But um, there's a couple of conspiracy theories that rattle around um, this. But personally, I don't really give a, a lot of weight to, to a lot of them. To be honest, with you. like for me, I just think it was it was bad luck. But you know, if you read into it, you'll see mad shit like the med student was a bleeding assassin and all. Like, <laughs> I mean, like, what? if he was an assassin, he was the poxiest assassin I've ever seen in my life. Yeah. Imagine that. You finally get into the backstage area. Just you and Harry. Well, I don't know if that other chap was there as well, I suppose. But I mean, you have your chance and you're like, by the way, I was reading into it. There's only, do you know, so appendicitis, yeah? There's only a 1% chance that that can be formed by impact. Do you get me? Like, that can be caused by impact. Wow. So imagine that. Like, this, okay, this assassin is so fucking, like, good that I mean that he can literally, like... Pull off a one in a hundred dig into the go. Yeah, oh literally. The chap has, like, a one percent chance of, like, fatal, fatal damage here. And he's like, I'm going for it. I'm fucking going for it. Oh, my God. So I don't believe that shit at all. No. And then the second one as well is that, like, while he was in hospital, because... uh there was no, um, well, this is kind of weird, to be fair. There was no autopsy carried out, do you know what I mean? And so there's loads of rumours that, like, people who are out from within the spiritual community, because, again, he was making a lot of enemies, that that one of them potentially might have snuck into the hospital and fucking poison him and all, like, do you know what I mean? I don't know about that, like. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, no, poor, his, his wife, El Best, she was devastated. Like, and they had a pact between them as well. They had a pact that, even though none of that, there was a bit up in the air between them whether they even entertained this whole kind of medium spiritual shit life after that thing but they had a pact anyway that if one of them died before the other that they'd spend the rest of their time trying to contact the other one and uh, <clears throat> best she spent years apparently trying to, ah, to communicate with them through mediums and all that she was very sad but yeah Harry Houdini like he was an absolute king and there's probably not that many people that know the, the true story behind El Houdini but uh, he's someone that's as I said yeah we've joked about it's been on my mind for a while but um, so I said fuck it we might as well yeah. you know what I mean might as well look into him 
Isn't it mad? Like things, some some stories are not as like glamorous or as um, heroic mm-hmm. as you might initially. Yeah, but this chap is like the archetype though for magicians. Yeah. Like there's still magicians today. Like they're popping around the bleeding place. You can't figure out what you're doing. In fairness, though, like I actually do have deep fucking respect and just pure like, what's the word? Like absolute like astonishment. Do you know what I mean? Like have yeah. you ever gotten a trick done in you by a magician? No. Like I was in Brown just Thomas yourself. one time, yeah. She was with me. Me and you were in Brown Thomas that day. Oh, do you remember? fuck. What was that again? We, we were going doing our Christmas shopping. Do you remember? And your man put a card in your watch. This is going a long time ago. Yeah, me and Ian were floating through Brown Thomas and there was a fella in a suit and he came over to us and it wasn't like the lads who worked there. And uh, how are you lads? You want to see a magic trick? And I was like, oh, fucking hell. Chap's going to whip a bleeding penny or something out behind this. me ear or something. Yeah. And uh, it, I wasn't even got the fella who got it done. <laughs> pants down. It was you, yeah. Like he came over to you and... Um, I don't know how he did it, lads, but no mess. He got in to pick a card out of a deck, right? And then, like, I was watching him because I yeah. was like, I was sketch, man. I was, I was keeping an eye on his every movement because yeah. I wasn't even involved in it. It was yourself and himself. He managed to make the card that Ian picked out appear under the fucking the strap of Ian's watch, like inside it. Like yeah. skin contact. Oh my god! What? May I forgot about this? Well, t- I'll tell you why I oh haven't forgot. Because I was in sin, as in the nightclub, a couple of months later, and the cunt was there, <laughs> not on a night out. He was actually doing tricks to people in sin, oh, and they said it to him. I go, "Was mate, you uh, you you fucking did a trick there, and me mate Brown Thomas with the cardinal, and he done it again. <laughs> not to me, to one of the other lads I was with. No. But uh, like, and, I, and by the way, I was watching him again because I was like, right, there's no way this chap is pulling the wool out of my eyes again, right? And I was. Watching every single move, same again. Me mates watch the card underneath. No. I don't know if he sneaks into that gap before they leave while they're getting dolled up and he does it then. <laughs> but I mean, like, what the oh. fuck? I mean, I didn't see the cunt make contact with me mates' wrist or your wrist, and he was still able to do it. Like, my god, what are they called? Illusionists, or illusionists. Something? Yeah, I think it's start, I think they prefer to be called that. I don't think they really like being called magicians, to be honest. I think it's a bit like, like, not Come here, what's your spin on mediums? Um, I don't know. Whole. I don't know if they're really. I, I would okay. Me, I'd say ninety nine point nine percent of them are bollocks. If I'm being honest, I, I, what I don't get, we had our financial crisis two thousand and eight. We had this COVID nineteen. So not one of them. No, it was going. Hang on a second. All my clients this week are showing up as fucking broke. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know what oh, I mean? Oh, why did they not see it coming? Yeah. Why did they not like yeah. fucking uh, make preparations still for you? Like the lot and all. Jam. If I was a medium, I'd be doing the lot every bleeding week. Like, you know what I mean? Fair enough on that stuff. But the stuff that actually affects everyone's life. Do you get me? Yeah. If they're reading your, you know, fortune and go, yeah, but I've seen twenty people this week and. Uh, yeah, eight of them lost their grannies to COVID. Like, yeah, you know, exactly. It's like, yeah. should I not be... Eight of them were on the COVID payment. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, here you relax, wrecking the studio. Oh, Lord, Come here, uh, do you know the... the I, I was trying to get... <laughs> the Vaz. There was a fucking... Um, I was trying to get a priest on the podcast there a while ago um, and not one of Danny's exes, yeah? And uh, <laughs> No, um, there was a priest that was on the Late Late Show in February. His name was like Pat Collins or something like that. Yeah. And he's like one of the, the kind of forefront... Four people, I guess, that's even a fucking word, that look after, like, exorcisms in Ireland. He's, like, apparently one of the oh, top Lord. dogs. And I, I was try, I reached out to his team. He has a team. That's how big this country is. I mean, yeah, swear to God. Um, I'll pretend to be possessed. Yeah, 100%. Sure. And But listen, with, uh, with your man, um, he... I don't know if this chap is now basically saying he's a bit... He fans himself as a bit of a medium. But he, he said that he predicted COVID. Yeah, in his prayers, apparently. Um, Maybe. Do you not notice all these things about Nostradamus and all? Oh, yeah, that's a lot. Do you know, but do you not notice that people that like people are always saying like after said event. 
Mm. I was like, Nostradamus said about this. Yeah. Why did no one say two weeks ago about this? I, thing? I think Just though. A heads up. I think El Nostradamus has been debunked a few times. I haven't yeah, looked into yeah. it, but I think he has. Like, yeah. Um, do you ever hear about the Bible code? No. People have to figure out how to read the Bible. The Bible is actually written in mathematical code. Go wait me. To to predict the future. And oh. It was either a theory written by aliens or, or people who are smarter than us. No. Yeah, and it's actually accurately predicts um few like future politicians that have existed now and in, in say in the modern era their assassinations the date the date they were born and not just politicians mm. i mean but like just major Figures, world like, yeah. events and stuff like that mad man yeah. jesus christ mate. Going to another time, i was just mate. gonna say put the brakes on that champ that's an episode in itself yeah lads i'm gonna leave you there uh you know thanks so much for joining me once again Pleasure to be i'll see you all on the next one stay safe and chat to you soon all right